All right, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, today we have uh, Ben, the CEO of Bybit. Uh, Bybit is a Bitcoin uh, futures exchange. They run perpetual contracts on Bitcoin dollar, on EOS dollar, XRP dollar, uh, and ETH dollar. And um, they have just recently launched um, linear USD contracts, USDT, Tether. Uh, but primarily their main product has been inverse contracts where you deposit Bitcoin and trade Bitcoin dollar to earn or lose Bitcoin and the same for EOS, ETH and XRP. So welcome to Ben. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's uh, get started. Um, there's uh, you know, a number of users here, uh, members of Whalepool who uh, have started using Bybit. A lot of them have been frustrated with some of the uh, competitors who have uh, not so great technology and stuff like that. So uh, they're happy to see that you are coming to talk directly to the community. We appreciate that. Uh, let's start with um, some basics on the background um, of Bybit. So what exactly is your jurisdiction? Like where is your headquarters and uh, and where is the team based and the credentials of the, the key members of the team? Could you talk a bit about this? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're registered in uh, BVI. Uh, the main headquarter is in Singapore, uh, but we do have a, a developer uh, office in Shanghai, um, also a customer support center in the uh, Philippines. Uh, we also have a small BD office in Taiwan uh, we're planning to uh, extend to uh, probably Vietnam, Thailand, and these places uh, this year, but that's more for local operations. Um, as for the people, we have a little over 150 people now. Uh, I would say majority are still developers. We are a very product-focused uh, team and also very derivatives-focused. Um, as far as for credentials uh, on the founders, uh, we have actually four founders. Uh, I'm the more outspoken one uh, that most people are familiar with. Uh, my previous background, I ran a uh, Forex broker uh, for more than uh, seven years. Uh, it was called uh, XM.com. Uh, so I sort of started, I was the sort of starting member uh, for that business. And then eventually, uh, I think XM now is one of the largest uh, retail broker. Uh, we are regulated in many different countries. So I left that in 2017. Uh, the other uh, three founders, uh, our CTO Owen, uh, had uh, was one of the uh, major architecture guy behind Tencent. Uh, so he worked at Tencent for more than uh, almost ten years, and he was the leading leader for the Tencent uh, Groupon at the time, and also the QQ show, all the QQ business uh, for for Tencent, uh, which later evolved into WeChat. And after Tencent, he moved to Nova Wealth, which is one of the largest uh, 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 wealth uh, management firm and also a stock-related funds trading firm. So he actually built the underlying um, fund uh, trading system for them. And, and, and so he's, he has a vast knowledge in, uh, in, in you know, matching engine and uh, this type of uh, related business. So he came in and built the underlying um, architecture for Bybit. Uh, and then we have another two more. Uh, one is Ken, who is a very seasoned trader in CME and Shanghai Stock Exchange. So his role in the business is more for risk management and also uh, a risk uh, uh, financial product designs. 
so he had more than uh, I think more than 10 years experience in trading and he also ran a quantitative trading firms uh, starting in 2016 late in crypto and he had some very good uh, uh, results back then uh, so we asked him join him on board and lastly uh, not least it's uh, Yashi who is actually a very popular poker player. Uh, she was probably one of the most popular poker players in China. She was uh, uh, sponsored by PokerStar, and one of the uh, team pro player. Um, and, and then later on, she wor worked at Hedge Fund. So she came in originally helping us to do all the first investment as a CFO. But now her role has sort of uh, evolved into operations. So you see a lot of these uh, events, operation. We had a St. Patrick's Day's promotion. Uh, soon we will be having a linear contract promotion. That's all organized and uh, arranged by her. Um, me, I'm sort of indirectly uh, uh, in charge of the business as BD, custom support, uh, all the front end uh, part. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a pretty strong team. Um, good background. And you guys uh, got, you, you were founded in 2018 or when did you launch? Uh, the project started in March 2018, and we launched in December 1st. I remember when we launched uh, Bitcoin, uh, I think a day later after we launched, it dropped to like 3,000 something. So we started uh, from the, the, the harshest environment, the beerest market, <laughs> until, until we launched, yeah. And you didn't do any kind of like ICO or token sale? There's no exchange token associated with it, right? No, we, we don't have any. Um, you know, we want to focus more sort of on the exchange part of the business, and we were never really, all of our background, we were never really a, a so much crypto ICO related things. So uh, we decided to go through the traditional routes, uh, you know, fundings and getting investment uh, and, and uh, get the get the business started. That's how we did it. Yeah. Okay, and uh, in terms of um, from the user's perspective, do you have? any KYC requirements and uh, if you do, are there any kind of restrictions on uh, deposits and withdrawals or anything like that? Uh, we have no KYC um, and also, but we do have some jurisdictions that we do not allow, uh, such as USA, uh, Quebecer area in Canada, uh, you know, all these other uh, places, Iran, North Korea, uh, all these places. And also we don't allow Singaporean uh, uh, to trade on Bybit, just that's that's just because we're headquartered in Singapore and we we haven't received any clear instruction from the local government. Um, yeah. So, um, how do you enforce that jurisdictional restriction? Do you have um, just an IP check, or what's the way that you prevent them from trading? Yeah, we have an IP check, uh, registration IP um, on the jurisdictions that we do not allow. Uh, but we are actually going to implement a uh, trading ban as well. Uh, so far, we don't have a trading ban on the IPs. So, but uh, we are planning to implement that probably in late April. That means all the restricted jurisdiction you will not be able to log into Bybit uh, with that specific IP. But what if I'm on vacation in the US, but I'm not a US person? Am I not allowed to trade while I'm on vacation, or how does that work? Uh, in generally, uh, the U.S. citizens we do not allow. Uh, so, but obviously, if people are trying to use different VPNs, is is very hard to spot. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, right. But I mean, like, for someone who's not a U.S. citizen, but who happens to be vacationing in the U.S., if you do a trading IP ban, then they would basically have to use a VPN or something, right? But it should be otherwise allowed, technically, to be trading from a U.S. IP as long as they're not a U.S. person in terms of residency or citizenship. Yeah, we, ha we had the original debate in the very beginning, uh, but later on we decided, uh, especially from our, our lawyer suggested, is it's better to respect the local, uh, the, the US government for that and, and the trading IP as well. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, let's move over to uh, like the tech stack that you guys have on the system. Um, a lot of people use Bybit as sort of like a BitMEX replacement. And that's because BitMEX has uh, this tech stack that's relying on KDB, which is like a database mixed in with a matching engine, which is a bit goofy and uh, doesn't scale so well. And they do a lot of load shading to try to, to keep it going. Uh, can you tell us like what languages, database uh, software and stuff you're using on the back end uh, to avoid these kinds of scaling issues? Yeah. So. Uh... We were actually very lucky as the latecomer that we have someone to reference to. Uh, at that point, it was BitMEX and OKEX. We looked into the, 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 the tech, although we still don't know what's their core fundamental structure, but I believe our structure is quite different than uh, a BitMEX. Uh, first is our matching engine is written in C++. Uh, and also, uh, I believe it's not uh, so much about what language is written in, it's about the structure of the how the order is being processed. Uh, for example, um, we know that from traditional finance, uh, this is also from Owen's background, um, that normally when the order is being placed, through, either it's through the API or the front end, it goes through directly into a module, and that's the matching engine. And the matching engine would have to uh, wait in line for the uh, risk check, for the margin calculation. And then, so all of that um, is built in one module. That's how normally in traditional finance uh, it's been built. Uh, but when we look at that uh, that structure, that there's an issue with, uh, with scaling, uh, especially when you have so many clients trading at the same time. And uh, in crypto, um, there's so many clients, especially in big price spikes, uh, that you will simply not be able to handle that much volume. Um, so what we did is we separated the order service. So when the order is, is entered into Bybit system, uh, we actually use sharding to process the order service and all the margin check and all the risk management, all of that away from the matching. Uh, and because of that, we can actually do shardings in different uh, servers. Uh, once that is completed, it all sends to one single point, which is the matching engine. So for us, the matching engine is it's not so complex. Our matching engine is it's, it's just some simple codes. It's not that so difficult. But uh, because the structure, the underlying structure, we are able to offer uh, much more TPS. And also because the sharding, uh, whenever we need uh, more uh, uh, order processing, we can just add on to more order service, uh, servers. Uh, and for, 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 for us now, each sharding uh, server can handle about 10,000 orders now. And um, if we want, we can just horizontally expand. Yeah. Okay, so it's horizontally scalable via the sharding in such a way where if the uh, load is increasing a lot in terms of the activity in a volatile environment, you could just spin up 
instances to uh, to handle. You said it's ten thousand orders per second, or right now per sharding server is uh, is ten thousand. But when our capacity is about hundred thousand, uh, but w whenever we reach that capacity, we can just increase it. Uh, I mean, to be honest, for us right now, the biggest challenge it was never the the matching engine. I think the matching engine part alone is not even reaching twenty to thirty percent of its capacity, so we still got a long way to go. Um, yeah. So, um, but it but it's like split into microservices that horizontally scale, so that uh, you could theoretically run like a thousand different shards that handle like extreme load. Is it automatically run, or do you have to manually run these additional uh, servers to handle it? Uh, I, I believe it's manually. Right now, we are pretty uh, uh, far away from the reaching the ceiling, um, and that's why with all this volume we've seen so far, uh, we've never reached the ceiling for our capacity. Uh, but mostly, it was uh, uh, from the client's feedback. At least, it was front end lagging. Uh, there was a lot of clients uh, was complaining about, and which we actually fixed um, in this release of the USDT uh, linear contract. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because that was the next thing I was going to pivot to because a couple of weeks ago, uh, March 12th, 13th, 14th, uh, basically every platform was suddenly bombarded with uh, crazy amounts of order volume. And uh, basically almost every platform had some kind of problem or another. And um, there were some users on Bybit who were reporting some kind of lag uh, in the performance uh, when they were trying to create orders or to manage their position. Uh, so you're saying this was a front-end uh, bottleneck and nothing to do with the back-end uh, system? Yes, it, it is very much a front-end. Actually, at the time, our clients who were trading on our app, uh, they didn't experience any uh, the lagging issues. And also the lagging issue was very specific to different people. Um, one of the major problem was um, the way our uh, front end was built. It was consuming too much uh, computation power. It was too much uh, CPU consumption. So especially when when all this data being pushed into the front end, it really jams up your your, your browser. So if you have a very strong PC, you, you should be fine. And that's why a lot of the clients was okay, but some didn't. Uh, that was because we, we basically jammed their their browser with all these uh, older updates. Uh, which uh, we kind of changed the whole underlying structure in this new release of the linear contract. Uh, right now, it should be much smoother on the front end. And if that worked out, uh, we are going through debugging now. Uh, we're going to also uh, apply the same structure to our current uh, inverse contract. Okay, cool. And, and you have a, um, a testnet or demo kind of environment that runs side by side? Or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We have a testnet.bybit.com, uh, and you can just go and, and try it. But the, the USDT linear contract is already live since yesterday. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we'll get to the product stuff. At the last, of the, I just want to first hit the um, uh, custody of crypto. So you're a pure crypto and stablecoin uh, exchange. So you're not handling fiat. Um, and I saw that you um, process withdrawals manually three times a day. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about the general model for how you are storing the crypto and um, you know, are there any limits on withdrawals in any cases and 
yeah, like how, how, how exactly is that structured? You don't have to give like, you know, any kind of secrets, but just in general, so people understand the security model that you're using for custody. Yeah, so all of our crypto are stored in the uh, cold storage. Uh, for Bitcoin, it's a multi-signature cold storage. Uh, so we actually have to, uh, uh, you know, activate that uh, multi-signature every time when there's a withdrawal. Uh, our uh, withdrawal team will tell us the, the amount that's needed for that specific withdrawal. And then uh, the founders will have to, uh, uh, three out of the four have to log into our, uh, you know, uh, Cold storage uh, with the keys to unlock and, and deposit and withdraw that amount um, into the the, the, the temporary uh, uh, wallet for the uh, manual withdrawal and then the manual withdrawal is processed through that wallet. Yeah. So all of the process is completely manual. And so um, okay, so the, the it's all in cold storage, but then when the founders are moving funds to be withdrawn. Uh, is that moving into a hot wallet where it's on the server or um, do the founders again have to process the withdrawals that go out to users? Right now, it's actually we just use a uh, hardware wallet uh, for that withdrawal person to uh, withdraw that. Uh, and that there's a special alg algorithm to run the, the, the batch uh, withdrawals. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's basically uh, a cold wallet process that then sends money into uh, a hardware wallet, which then has some kind of script that batches through the client withdrawal requests and uh, has to be then you know, unlocked by the uh, uh, the employee that is running this aspect of it. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So it's not, it's not a hot wallet uh, per se. It's then uh, still through hardware wallet, which is more or less cold wallet. It's from hardware wallets to clients. That's it. There's yeah. No hot wallet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, is there any plans for fiat support, or are you sticking with crypto only and stablecoins? Uh, we're actually integrating to a few, uh, you know, the uh, credit card and also local bank providers, um, because uh, we are moving into Southeast Asia and. Uh, uh, some of the small European countries where they are, the clients' feedbacks was uh, they really love for us to offer any sort of credit card deposit method. So we are talking to, you know, Simplex, Pool, all these guys. And we're actually integrating, uh, I think, Pool for now and might be integrating a few more uh, just to give them a fast uh, credit card uh, sort of uh, local bank uh, uh, option. But uh, when they click on it, they will have to do KYC with that provider. Uh, and basically buy the coin from them, and then they will transfer uh, instantly to the to their Bybit uh, wallet. So that's how it works. But we actually still don't handle it. We just present an option for uh, a third party to to handle that and and a, and a faster withdrawal, uh, a deposit, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so that, that actually brings up another question because people have noticed that Bitmax is potentially going to be pivoting to a KYC model where they're going to start asking for documentation from users um how is how does bybit view this issue of kyc uh, philosophically uh, is this something that you would uh, you have plans to implement kyc of any sort and uh, what happens uh, if there's some kind of pressure to be doing this um for now, we would like to keep uh, not non-KYC as long as possible because we understand the crypto community um, 
that's a nature of the the whole crypto uh, is is to keep everything anonymous. So we would like to keep that as long for as possible. Uh, but I, I mean, I was in the forex business, and I, I would see how crypto would go, how just like how forex went. Uh, regulation wouldn't necessarily go crazy and smash down the whole industry on one day on all countries, but local regulation would come out. Uh, I mean, we start to see Japan have local car uh, regulations on crypto derivatives. Uh, maybe the next one is uh, I don't know Singapore or somewhere. Uh, as this country. Uh, start to offer local regulations. I think in order for us to enter the country legally, you have to, uh, uh, you know, obtain a, a proper license in that country and then try to operate underneath that regulation. So at that at that point, it really becomes a business decision that okay, do I want to enter Japan uh, legally or do I want to enter Japan as just as a outside. Uh, you know, uh, exchange that their clients somehow happens to find us. So it's more of a, a business decision. We are now perfectly happy with the non KYC model, which is also explains why we want to go a little bit harder on the KYC, uh, not not KYC, the, the IP ban on the trading, so that we can at least uh, say we're we are putting effort into this uh, restricted restricted region uh, to the authority. And until that point, we cannot. We have to comply. Uh, uh, maybe we will have to do something, uh, but then it depends on the local regulations and the license, what they require and all that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's exactly right that there's a significant portion of the crypto trading community that really values their privacy and is not interested to send their documents to in exchange or anything like that. So um, I think a lot of people would appreciate that. Um, so in terms of the products that you are offering on the future side, uh, it's only futures that you're offering and perpetual futures, which is perpetual swap. Um, so uh, the ones that have gotten the most volume uh, is the um, inverse BTC USD and you also have EOS, XRP and ETH versus dollar. Um, so uh, yeah, you've, you've had some pretty decent success with this. And it's basically, um, well, I guess for the purpose of uh, everyone listening, maybe you can describe how this works and how it's similar to BitMEX and or what OKX has offered and stuff like that. Sorry, man, you're, you're kind of breaking off on my end. Um, I, I can barely hear you, but um, let, let me just try to understand. Are you asking about the difference of Bybit uh, product compared to BitMEX and OKEX and also what's our uh, USDT linear contract about? What was new? Yeah, correct. Just just give like uh, for the purpose of the listener an overview of the inverse contracts you have been running and then your new linear USDT contracts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we currently offer four pairs, um, you know, the, the BTC USD uh, pair which settled in BTC EOS USD, XRP USD, uh, ETH USD, which all settled in their native token. Um, um, but we released a new product yesterday, um, which is the uh, USDT linear contract. Um, hello, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, yeah, uh, we released that new product. Uh, with our old product, uh, it, it, it's the standard uh, perpetual inverse contract. Uh, but I guess the major difference, a lot of people actually trade uh, these uh, altcoins with us because I think we're the only, one of the only exchanges that offers XRP settled uh, perpetual or US settled um, or ETH settled. 
and our liquidity on those altcoins is actually pretty good. Uh, although the liquidity on the BTC pair actually has proven to be very good, uh, especially after that uh, huge hit on March 12th um, um, in Bybit. Uh, however, with our linear contract, the one we just released yesterday, uh, is, is quite an innovative product. Uh, number one, uh, you can actually do hedge trading. So I, I believe it's one of the first uh, perpetual contract where you can have both long and short at the same time. Uh, along with that, we utilize the portfolio margin so so that uh, whenever you go fully hedged, you will never be able to get liquidated. That's number one. And also, uh, when you trade on the linear BTC USDT, uh, let's say you have a floating profit, you can actually use that floating, uh, floating profit to place more order or even to trade ETH, USDT, XRP, USDT uh, as such because it's, it's a portfolio margin. Uh, right now, because it's the better release, we only released the uh, BTC USDT, but more peers are coming up. Uh, also, I know a lot of clients has been requesting some other coins such as Chainlink, uh, Litecoin, you know, uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash and all that. Uh, we plan to uh, offer those as well uh, in our linear USD, uh, linear, linear contract because uh, it's now much easier for us to offer any new product because we don't have to worry about the, the security issue, the, the cold storage and all that, since it's all settled in USDT. Um, another feature, I guess, with the USDT uh, linear contract we have is, is we implement a lot more on-chart trading functions. So if you go to the trading view uh, chart on, on Bybit, you can actually do some uh, one-click trading, uh, pos position reversals, uh, close positions, you know, all these uh, cool small features i guess um on the uh, new uh, linear contract so is it only just to be clear uh, because the, the hedging and the trading view uh, integration with order management is only for the usdt linear contract or does it also apply to the inverse contracts currently is only for the usdt linear uh, but if a lot of client likes it we will obviously it's very easy to also uh, apply onto our old uh, universe contract. So when you say uh, on the margin netting or the portfolio margin uh, feature, is this only within the same pair or is it also across the different crypto pairs? Across different crypto pair, but within linear contract. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Um, and you mentioned the liquidity and the market making. Um, how much of the market making on the platform is done internally by by you, Bybit, or a Bybit you know, close entity of some sort? And how much is incentivized by external market making firms? Uh, we don't have an internal market making house. It's all external. Uh, but we do have some uh, designated deals uh, with uh, the very early market makers who work with us when we, when we launched. Um, so are these open DMM agreements or uh, is it something where you have a handful of external players who are incentivized and committed and then it's just no more entries? Uh, so it, it sort of it went, it went to uh, uh, the, the market making uh, policy. When we first launched, we had uh, five seats, what we call the designated market maker seats where we offer them a very good uh, rebate uh, if they give us uh, the, the liquidity we want. And obviously they have to follow certain uh, obligations such as keeping the spread 
within uh you know six takes and then they will have to 80 percent of the time or 90 percent time they have to give us uh you know 300,000 or, or, or 500,000 uh, in liquidity for that. Um, so it, originally we had five seats uh, when we launched in 2008, uh, 18 December. Um, but slowly as we're gaining more and more retail clients, uh, um, you can start to see this market making and start to make very good money, uh, uh, even just on, on top of our uh, regular rebate. So we slowly reduced the, the, you know, the, the rebate incentive and they were still perfectly happy with uh, providing these uh, uh, this uh, obligation because we actually have a, a very transparent uh, what we call a liquidity contribution program LCP. And if you go to our GitHub, you can actually see the LCP program uh, that will give the market makers or any uh, API connectors uh, a more um, what they call it the more uh, rate limit on their requests. So the more liquidity you contribute, the more rate lim limit we can give you. So uh, a lot of uh, these market makers are now working on the LS LCP program, uh, try to get more, uh, you know, uh, rate limit. Uh, we can offer up to, uh, I think, 500 per, uh, per second or something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the more active API users get more leeway on the rate limit. Um, Okay, so there's no in-house liquidity provision. You've got the DMM program with externals that are providing sufficient enough liquidity. Um, in terms of the volume that you guys are doing, uh, you're currently like about a top five exchange in terms of volume after uh, Binance, OKX, Huobi, BitMEX. Um, and uh, there are some uh, traders uh, last year uh, who were claiming that Bybit volume was a bit suspicious, that there was some volume printed numbers that didn't match up against uh, like top trader reports in terms of their PL. Can you make a response uh, to the traders who are skeptical about the volume? Yeah, um, I mean, our volume current now is 100% real. Um, we actually have uh, quite a few. Uh, Still, majority of our clients, if you talk about the number of clients, are, are retail clients. But if you talk about volume, I would say more than 70% uh, are institutions. So, uh, such as Jump Trading, uh, Tower, all these guys, even Alamenda, they are trading in Bybit, giving us a lot of volume. So, uh, the volume now is completely genuine. And uh, even with uh, the linear contract we just released, you can see. Uh, the volume is very real there. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, those are some some good names. Jump huge. Uh, Alameda is obviously huge. Uh, Tower. That those are good. Uh, you seem seem like you've got some good players on the market. Um, so why did you decide to run these USDT contracts as a separate order book versus the inverse contracts instead of taking an approach similar to say FTX or uh, BTC, BTSE that has um, decided to use a multi-collateral system where users can either elect to use BTC or USDT in order to back their positions. Uh, you mean just to offer a completely in USD settled? Yeah, like you settle in USD, but you can use any form of collateral. And in fact, on BTC, which we had them on the other day, or the other week, a couple of weeks ago, they allow you to have the USD PNL get converted into an asset of, of their choice. 
Yeah, so when we launched the USDT, I, I guess the, the, to be honest, in the very beginning, we were very against, uh, we were worried about the situation with USDT. <laughs> so, uh, once we built a product based on USDT, we figured if, you know, some, uh, something bad happens with USDT, with all these rumors, uh, it would be very bad for business. But um, as Bybit is a very much global company, and we, we, we talk to a lot of, you know, in our Asia traders, they all prefer USDT. And, and I, I think I actually run a, a, a Twitter third survey and talk to some of the uh, heavy traders on our platform. Most of these guys prefer USDT. And also we talk to our market makers. They said they would give us much better liquidity if we give them the USDT pair. Uh, so it was really from all directions pointing us, I mean, if we want to offer a linear contract, USDT seems to be the best uh, welcome by the market makers, by the institutions, and even by the retail clients. Um, and that's when we uh, we even contemplated uh, um, providing another stable coin. Uh, or do we need, why don't we make another Bybit stable coin, you know? Uh, we even went through that route, but in the end, we, we called it off because it seems we're not going to be able to get enough liquidity for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tether is up to like, what is it, $6 billion of market cap, and they've been minting coins like crazy this past month. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good argument you make. I mean, Tether is especially popular in Asia where it's difficult to get these dollar-denominated accounts, so people want to be able to hold the USD stablecoin. But um, but uh, to rephrase my question before, um, why do you choose to run separate order books instead of combining the contracts and then allowing, if I want to use BTC as collateral, I can deposit BTC, or if I want to use USD as collateral, I deposit USD, uh, and then uh, you trade the same order book, so it consolidates the liquidity, similar to FTX, if you've used their product, for example. A lot of traders like this flexibility of using multiple forms of collateral in the contract. I, I think we, in the original stage, we discussed that, and that kind of go back to the underlying structure of how the exchange was built, uh, um, how um, the matching engine and how the risk management, uh, how the margin calculated, uh, because by a bit we, are, we, we, we went through uh, TPS, we went through more processing power, uh, the modules are separated. So I'll give you an example. For example, BitMEX, uh, it's very easy for them to offer a quanto pair, uh, or if they, uh, uh, with BTC calculations, to trade other pairs. But for us, because the margin calculation and the risk management is separated from the matching, it's, it's very easy to make a mistake if we combine them all together. Uh, I guess uh, we sec uh, so with the other model, you, you have the top-notch precision, but you give up the uh, scalability. But for us, we sort of went for the scalability, and we figured, um, you know, um, but for, if we ever want to offer a combined collateral product, we will have to rebuild the whole module uh, from the start again. So I, I think that's when we had a conversation with our product team, and that was the conclusion sort of the IT gave us. Uh, but I mean, you never know. I mean, if that becomes growing demand, we could do that, you know. Yeah, that's a, I mean, yeah, sometimes you have to make these compromises when it comes to tech and user experience and the risk, especially in high leverage environment. Um, so let's talk about some of the lower level features in the 
platform in general, uh, what what sort of fee levels are you offering, and how competitive are they versus the competition? Uh, the current fee is the standard, uh, same as uh, you know, same as a bit max uh, for market makers for a maker order. We, you get a zero point two five percent rebate, and for taker orders, you get charged a zero point seven five percent for the taker orders. Yeah. So seven and a half basis points on taker and two and a half basis point uh, rebate for maker, just like BitMix. Uh, is there any reason why you don't offer volume discounts for high volume traders who would get, get lower fees to pay? Uh, we actually uh, are looking into it. Uh, we might uh, start building a uh, bracket sort of a tier system where if you get a higher monthly volume, you get a different tiers. Uh, but uh, our approach was that we always had so many promotions, uh, you know, either by registered bonuses or different. Uh, we have non basically nonstop promotions going on with Bybit. Uh, and we are also very focused on retail. So in that way, we're actually giving back a lot of discounts through promotions. And, and that's how sort of the way we picked our uh, approach in the very beginning. But now I, I guess a lot of the competitions are coming up and uh, uh, this tier system start to make more sense. We're, we're also looking into it. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of rewards, you have a referral program. Can you talk a bit about uh, how large this program is in terms of fee sharing and whether the referred users get some benefit and how long do you make the payouts and is there a multi-level uh, reward system? So uh, at Bybit, we actually have two programs. One is the referral, one is the affiliate program, uh, which is, all serves different purposes. Uh, for us, if you are using the referral, uh, you are mostly just a, a regular trader and you want to invite some of your friends to come and uh, trade on Bybit. And so if you choose to use that program, uh, you actually don't get a commission, but you do get some bonuses. Uh, and the bonus can be used as margin. Uh, I think when, whenever someone you invite makes a, a deposit, uh, you get 10 or $20 on top of that. Where the other program, uh, the affiliate program, is actually most used. Um, and that's why you see a lot of KOLs on Twitter and YouTube promoting Bybit. The ref link they are sharing is actually affiliate program. Uh, our affiliate program is, I would say, probably uh, Bybit is the first one to bring that kind of program into the industry. Um, it's a complete CRM system for the affiliates um, to to actually understand and help them to analyze their behaviors and, and, and conversion rates and reporting systems. So it's a very powerful backend system where they can even edit their own links, create different campaigns, uh, and use that to uh, to you know to actually be able to become a full time uh, promoter and, and live on the uh, commission. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys have done a really good job on that, uh, offering both like a basic referral program for someone that just wants to share a link to their body and then a more professional built out affiliate program. I think that's super key in this industry uh, and it shows that you're understanding how traders and the trading community, how how things are very much word of mouth and people rely on uh, those who have experience to make uh, proper recommendations. So I think that's clearly uh, part of how you guys have had some success and growth past year. Um, so what about order types? Uh, can you just run through the basics of what sort of uh, orders and any advanced order types that you offer on the platform? 
Uh, we offer, I, I think, uh, most uh, standard uh, order types, you know, limit order, market order, and then conditional order. So conditional order, you can actually set the trigger and then set your entry type, market limit. Um, and then on the uh, execution uh, method, you have all these, you know, uh, good into cancel, uh, queue or fill and all these. Uh, we are actually working on a few more advanced orders, uh, a lot more advanced trader asking us for the OCO uh, order. So we are looking into that. Uh, probably going to release that in, in, in two months or so. Um, one of the most commonly used feature and most welcome feature by our trader is the entry with the uh, entry order. Along with the entry order, you can set the tick off and the stop loss. So that's not necessarily a, a new order type, but it, it's more like a conditional, conditional order. Uh, so when you set a limit order, uh, you can actually pack a take profit and stop loss along with that limit order. And when that limit order get executed, uh, then the take profit and stop loss, which is a conditional order, will get set in. So it's more like a, a double conditional order, which is proven to be very useful. So uh, for any trader, you don't have to you know steer the screen all, all night long. Uh, in case something happens, you can just uh, set your limit order and then... Uh, once that interest enters, uh, your take profit and stop loss can be automatically uh, generated. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a cool feature. So I would consider that like an OTO order, like one triggers the other. So you put a limit order in, and then once it's filled, it triggers a set of conditional orders for stop loss and take profit. Yes, essentially that's actually a OT, OTO, I guess. But we we present it in a in a more sort of a retail uh, focus because I understand if you present it as OTO, a lot of clients wouldn't wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, and that's the right way to do it. I think is uh, that retail traders just think of it like, all right, I want to make an order, and then I would like to have the stop loss and take profit set once it's filled. Um, to call it OTO would probably confuse a lot of them, um, but. Um, when you have the stop loss and take profit both attached, do you have an OCO that uh, is uh, set on the orders such that when the take profit gets hit, it cancels the other, uh, the stop loss, or do they remain open? Uh, I think for now it remains open, but we are looking into how to, you know, incorporate the OCO into in, into our current, uh, uh, you know, order types to, to make it uh, happen, yeah. Yeah, because, well, are they at least uh, flagged as reduce only? Yeah, reduce only we have uh, also for conditional order, close on trigger, we, we have all these uh, advanced types, yeah. Okay, because then the issue obviously would be if you have both the take profit and stop loss set on the position that the take profit gets hit and then the price goes the other way and maybe the stop loss triggers in such a way that they end up going the opposite direction. But if it's set to reduce only, then it would just fail to execute. Correct. So you can use reduce only for, for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then let's, let's talk about leverage. Um, obviously, a lot of retail guys like to get uh, higher leverage positions. Uh, what are your margin requirements across the different products that you offer? Sorry, what was the question? I didn't catch the last part. The um, margin requirements for the different products that you are offering, uh, the initial margin, maintenance margin. Yeah, I, I think for uh, BTC is uh, I can't remember exactly. Is it zero point five percent or one percent? It's a uh, it's a standard, uh, same as uh, all these other ones. 
Uh, for the out pairs, uh, it's also the same, but we use a uh, risk limit system so uh, to to limit your purchases uh, uh, leverage use and also your uh, your 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 you know uh, required margin so it's basically like a replication of the bitmex risk limit system where you have a discrete uh, jump in the margin requirements based on the size of the position that they're taking that is correct so why did you choose to go with this discrete model rather than just a like a, a smooth continuous uh, function for margin requirements as uh, per size? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, when we launched for the first, I would say, ten months, uh, we never had a bracket system. It was the same unified uh, required or minus margin for all sizes. We had that in the beginning. But uh, we realized, I mean, as, as the platform is getting bigger for risk management, it's really required to have that. Uh, and we were looking to, we, wa we want to build the, the more linear uh, way because that's what traditional, uh, you know, space use. And, and, uh, but uh, we start to see that Bybit is still very retail focused. And uh, in order to educate the clients about this linear uh, ongoing one, it's, it's very hard to understand and to calculate. But a discrete bracket is, is, makes it very easy to understand and we don't have to educate the market. So that was really a, a more of a business decision that, okay, let's just you know do whatever I understand. And so it's easier to, to, we don't have to educate the market and teach the clients about this completely new uh, system, yeah. Yeah, that the... That makes sense, uh, and yeah, for from a risk management perspective, it's essential that larger position sizes pledge more margins, just because they pose a bigger risk to the stability and integrity of the market. Um, can you talk a bit about the analytics that you offer on the exchange? There are some, particularly OKX, they are really good at producing uh, interesting data that traders can analyze in terms of like the top traders. And what their sentiment is long and short i mean obviously in these contracts uh, if you take the entire open interest then 50 percent of it's long 50 percent of it's short but if you take a subsection of traders like the top most profitable or the largest traders and you check the long short sentiment there there is some uh, difference which some traders find interesting and you also do you have like a liquidation feed endpoint of some sort where you know, a lot of us here like to watch the OKX and BitMEX liquidations, and it's sort of like a, a trigger uh, in and of itself of market uh, action. Yeah, uh, that's one crucial point we're actually building now uh, for our API feed. Uh, we, we understand, especially uh, now we are very heavily trying to enter China. Uh, we realized uh, a lot of these uh, Chinese uh, traders are requiring that info because they are so uh, used to it. Um, but yeah, we're actually building that and it should be released maybe in a month or so. Uh, it will be the similar product, I mean, similar feeds, uh, like you said, uh, the, maybe the top uh, 100 uh, clients and also uh, not the volume, but the number of, uh, if you judge each individual account long and short, and then you place that into a map, you will see either more people are actually individually shorting or on a ratio or, or longing. So we will offer that. And also the direct direct uh, the, the liquidation feed we will offer that as well uh yeah so i, I think it's crucial to be uh to offer those uh, uh in, 
to be more transparent. And actually, most of our current data are completely transparent online on our homepage. Uh, so, so that's one of our uh, philosophy as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, traders appreciate in general being able to grab this kind of data. Um, so, um, what about the API? Do you have like a standard offering with REST WebSocket? Do you have fixed API as well? Uh, we don't have fixed uh, API. Uh, we have the standard, you know, REST and WebSocket uh, both. Yeah. Okay, and um, there was one question that someone had mentioned before about the order book view that uh, you don't have a grouping on the order book. It's kind of a small thing, but uh, is uh, is that in the pipeline? That has been in the pipeline, but it got pushed back because there's so many, you know, <laughs> agenda. Uh, but yeah, it, it, this actually, I told them to don't push back any further. Uh, we will all, especially our liquidity now is is getting very good. People would like to see, you know. Uh, one dollar, five dollar, this type of grouping. So we're, we're going to be offering that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've I've seen the implementations of it before, and the, I, the only concern really because it's, it's pretty straightforward, but it can lead to front end bottlenecks if it's not coded uh, elegantly. Um, let's talk a bit deeper about this risk management model that you are using, uh, because obviously, in a high leverage um, derivatives environment. Uh, and when volatility hits like we had a couple of weeks ago, then it's essential for traders to understand exactly how you are managing this risk. Um, so the margin requirements, as I understand it, are uh, similar to BitMEX, where it doesn't matter whether you're long and sh or short, you have a consistent margin requirement. So, um, I guess the first question is, how are you preventing people from being victims of these scam wicks that we sometimes see in the market. Uh, I know you use a dual price system with, you know, you have the normal traded price in the market from the order book, but you have a mark price formula. Can you tell us, uh, one, what is the component of the index, the index that you are using? And two, what is the formula for the mark price which uses the index and then some kind of other maths in order to prevent uh, manipulation in the market. Yeah, so uh, we actually spent a lot of time working on the, you know, uh, fine tuning the, the index price, which is the base for the market price. Um, right now we have uh, five exchange, uh, Bitstamp, Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini and uh, Bitrix. Uh, but along with that, we actually used a very complex uh, algorithm uh, but the calculation of that is is, is is online, and so if you go to Bybit, uh, uh, then search for index price calculation, you'll see the full formula. It's a very complex formula, which what essentially it does is, uh, so this was actually uh, released right after we kind of got screwed by Kraken because they were sending us a scam wick, uh, which uh, really screwed up our Ethereum mark price and. At that, at that that point, I think 200 clients were liquidated wrongly. So we actually went ahead, first uh, reimbursed all these clients and, and then fixed our mark price and basically the index price calculation. So right now we, we do uh, a number of filtering system. For example, if one exchange haven't given us a new price feed uh, within, uh, I think, one uh, one minute, we will temporarily take it out, out of the proportion for the index uh, calculation. And also, uh, there is a metrics that uh, we follow the majority of the exchange. If let's say five exchange, uh, if one had a really uh, normally, 
we will temporarily uh, remove that and only uh, include those four uh, majority. Uh, but sometimes there's very extreme happens, which uh, sort of happened last time when there was only three exchange quoting prices and that sort of becomes the lima. So we actually develop a very complex formula to make sure that our market price don't go crazy when something, either one exchange is going down or either uh, they are going through maintenance and all that. Um, uh, again, it's, it's completely online. So you guys, uh, you all come to go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds good that you're not making it too simple because there are cases in high volatility where the spot exchanges have technical issues and they maybe spit out garbage data or they just go down entirely and you have to basically it has to be complex in order to account for all the different uh, all the different cases um, and i think it's good that you are willing to reimburse when you do make a mistake because um, you know it might cost a bit of money uh, but i think the goodwill that gets generated by the traders who who get a reimbursement it helps to basically uh, build loyalty in the clients because if they can trust you and know that when you do fuck up because it happens you know you can't avoid it really uh, it's an ongoing uh, improvement uh, system so uh, you know they'll be more loyal if they realize that uh, when something does go wrong that you are honest about it and you reimburse them um, so along the same lines can you tell us a bit about any other anti-manipulation methods like uh, price bans or order limitations, circuit breakers, anything like that? Uh, we have an order limit uh, that um, each order is one million. Um, so you can, if you want to place more order, it's you have to uh, enter more orders. Uh, we also are, are looking into uh, a price band uh, for uh, you know when, whenever the price goes too crazy that your market order is not going to go nuts and uh, create a huge huge uh, spike in our order book. So that has been looked into and probably will be released in in, 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 the, in the following months. Uh, but other than that, we uh, we're, we're okay with that. Yeah. Okay, let's, um, on the risk management side of things, uh, let's walk through the liquidation process. I think most people are used to like the BitMEX style approach where there's a, you know, when the mark price reaches the um, the point where your PL is down to the maintenance margin requirement, then liquidation gets uh, triggered. And then there's an attempt to first partially liquidate the position. And if that fails, then the entire position gets liquidated and if it can't be liquidated in the book then there's an insurance fund which stands behind the market which spends money to improve the order price in such a way that the order book does fill it and if that were to fail then there's an auto deleveraging uh, triggered which basically breaks off the open interest between the bankrupt party and someone who's on the other end uh, can you tell us, can you walk us through your liquidation process and how it might differ from this? Um, and what is particularly with the uh, detail of how the insurance fund is used and any kind of logic of how the auto deleveraging works in terms of prioritizing who on the other side of the 50-50 long short, uh, who is chosen to be broken off in that event? 
actually, I think you put it in the very, <laughs> very correct way, and I, I, no, I don't think I have too much to add. But it's exactly what you're saying. It's uh, once liquidation happens, uh, we are trying to uh, partially liquidate you to bring you down uh, on a bracket for the risk limit. So, uh, and and also we will close your uh, open uh, orders in in order to free up more margin to prevent a full liquidation. But at some point, when the full liquidation is, is triggered, it's triggered, and the liquidation engine takes over, and then try to uh, throw, I, I believe it's the limit order, into the order book. Uh, uh, but it's, it serves as a market order to uh, throw the liquidation. And again, uh, you know, when, when, when there's this, a very big uh, price deviation between the mark price and the internal last price, uh, either the, 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 the insurance fund will have to reimburse or they, the insurance fund will gain some uh, uh, some money from the liquidation. Yeah. And have you ever had an auto deleveraging event on any of the contracts? Yes, uh, for our altcoins, I think we had one for XRP and one for EOS. Um, there isn't we haven't had a, a auto deleveraging happening for uh, for Bitcoin, but we, we did have some bugs where some clients had you know a, a, not a system-wide ADL, but, uh, you know, because they had some bugs and they experienced ADL, but uh, in the end, we checked out, we found a bug and we reimbursed, yeah. So just to be clear, does ADL only get triggered on a bankrupt position if the insurance fund is zero? Like you spent all the insurance fund in order to try to fill it and then it fails and then you use ADL? Or do you have some kind of threshold on the insurance fund where you say, Okay, if uh, twenty percent of the insurance fund gets wiped, then we do ADL. How's the logic intertwined between those two? Yeah, it has to be completely depleted in order to trigger ADL. So what happened for our EOS and the XRP when we launched them? I think it was a day or two after we launched because the insurance fund was still very empty. Uh, that's when the ADL happened and it got triggered. Uh, that could sort of go back to my old. Uh, what I just said is in the very beginning, we actually didn't have the risk man management system. And even for our XRP and EOS, the minus margin was 0.5% fixed. So you can imagine the the uh, the, no. the liquidation was happening and the insurance fund were growing very slowly. So there was, and that's when, the, when we realized, oh, we need to actually have this, uh, really have this risk man, uh, limit system in place in order to prevent this. And that, so that's how the whole talk started. So I guess, you know, we're also learning all, all the time and improving our product. Yeah, exactly. That uh, sounds good. Um, so just another thing I want to um, get clear is that uh, given this system, uh, does Bybit guarantee that users will not go into a negative equity balance on their account? Uh, because, you know, you have experience in uh, legacy uh, FX markets and in those markets, if there's a big enough move, then <clears throat> clients can actually go into a negative balance and the broker would chase them down for paying the negative balance. Uh, what's your philosophy as a firm on this? Yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> uh, first, we can guarantee there's no negative balance because there's already the insurance fund covering all that in crypto. And I actually experienced the, the Swiss franc uh, event back in Forex time where uh, a huge number of clients went, you know, bankrupt and uh, negative balance. And I remember at the time, 
I think it was FXCM or Forex.com that was chasing the clients for, or Saxo, I, I don't remember, that was chasing for the negative balance, but it was very successful, even though all clients had KYC. But just imagine that we are trying to chase client in crypto where there's no KYC. Client can simply just uh, register a, a new account with a new email. So it's pretty much unrealistic even to ask, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, when you set up a system with an insurance fund and ADL in a bilateral market where you're matching the clients 50-50, you can uh, easily break off the open interest uh, to maintain the harmony in the system without the firm, you know, the exchange taking on any risk. Whereas in FX, uh, and I, I worked for, for Saxo Bank, uh, and there was quite a bit of uh, drama around the uh, Swiss franc uh, de-pegging. And actually, every time Saxo is uh, making a post uh, promoting their products, they now have a disclaimer saying you can lose more than your deposit. Uh, like literally every single um, post they make has this disclaimer attached to it. Um, but um, you know, when you're an FX desk, you can't match your clients 50-50. So they don't have the flexibility that we have in crypto where you can actually ensure that uh, the firm isn't taking any risk and you're able to break off the open interest to maintain the harmony. Yes, yeah, it was it was a very chaotic time back then because all these brokers were, their margin was getting hit so bad with the banks and uh, uh, the they were losing actual money, but clients were having high leverage. You know, uh, it was it was chaotic. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, but that's the good part about when you're running your own exchange in crypto. Uh, that's you're bilaterally matching clients, so you always have fifty fifty long short so you the risk management flexibility allows to offer really high leverage without uh, equally high risk in terms of the firm taking on any credit risk which i think is one of the, the best innovations uh, that crypto has done um okay so um let's finally we've gone through the different product features the risk management system um uh, the different uh, reward benefits and stuff um let's talk about uh just the future of what your plans are um so you've done now a bitcoin usdt linear contract where you deposit tether and can earn and, and lose tether uh, versus um bitcoin and i presume you're going to be adding the other pairs that you offer on the inverse side of things um but what are, are there any sort of like interesting uh, plans in terms of maybe offering like index futures or options prediction market yeah so i actually had a uh, product launch uh, uh, event with uh, coin telegraph uh, i think two days ago uh, one of the product we're launching uh, i think by next week is a option product uh, you, the, the problem with the current market is we, we examined there a bit we examined the okex and also ftx options we, we figured it's, it's a little bit too hard for the uh, you know average uh, retail clients to understand, especially given that uh, Bybit is, is a lot of retail clients here trading with us. So we're actually going to uh, simplify the option product into what we call a uh, contract insurance. So it's essentially still a, a standard traditional option, but we built it into the perpetual contract. Uh, when, whenever you, you buy a position, either long and short, uh, you can actually buy an insurance uh, to cover your margin for that position. Uh, right now, we are set to you can buy 25% up to 100%. Uh, 
and the the beauty of that is obviously uh, uh, someone you, you probably know that uh, using option to hedge is a much better tool, and this this has been used in traditional space as well. So we figure let's present our client a, a better risk management tool first. Uh, so they, they will be able to buy it uh, by next week to to purchase this uh, uh, insurance or, or, or option product to to cover their margin with uh, 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 on the perpetual swap. So in case something like a Bitcoin having coming up, you are very unsure of what the market is going to react, either long or short. But you want to cover your current uh, floating PNL, but also you don't want to lose the opportunity to gain more profit in case the direction goes in your favor. Then this insurance will be a, a very beautiful thing to to use. Um, yeah. But other than that, we have a few more coming up. I assume you might have some questions for this insurance card uh, for this uh, insurance. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting approach, and it's a bit more retail friendly when you brand the options contract as a form of portfolio or position insurance. How are you going to provide the liquidity on that? Uh, are there going to be the same market makers that are active on the underlying contract? Are they just going to provide quotes on the equivalent of uh, put or call to cover the, um, uh, the position? Right now we are uh, going with uh, two designated uh, market makers. One is called Qi Causer. They are one of the largest uh, option uh, guys in China. Um, uh, we're actually talking to some other guys for another quote. So for this a simple product we are going to offer, we, we, we're not going to make it too complex with, with this part. But after that, uh, in Q3, we're we are going to launch a, what we call a simplified option. Uh, for that, it will be completely transparent with the order book. Uh, and obviously you can be a market maker here quoting the the, the, the options right? and also you can be a buyer or retail but we are going to make the product much more simpler so we are going to uh, uh, so the so basically retail clients can easily understand other than the complex one we have now for the market yeah yeah because it's a it's a cool idea but obviously the devil can be in the details if your market maker is pricing uh, the options with a really high implied volatility it ends up uh, being not the best way to ensure the position and uh, you know some of the more sophisticated traders here at Vapool at least would be comparing the price versus the equivalent on Darabit options which are the most liquid Bitcoin uh, options and uh, they would rather self-insure via Darabit rather than buying your version of the insurance so I think it's really important to understand how these things are priced uh, so that people aren't just overpaying and they get some kind of protection but they're paying like you know five ten times the price and bitmex learned this when they offered their uh, what they called up down contracts where you basically weren't allowed to short in the market and you were basically paying way over the market price compared with their bid so i think it's a good idea it's just you know from the traders perspective who would be interested to use it they just have to make sure they're getting the right price and not overpaying especially on the iv side of the um, the price yeah i i believe so too and, and for sure for the longevity of the product it has to be uh, opened up it has to be transparent uh, especially for the the market makers uh, that's why when we build this uh, simplified option it will have the completely order book and obviously 
uh, traders are easily you can compare that with with their bid and what other people can offer. Uh, but you know the the whole idea is that VRF exchange we think uh, option is is becoming very trendy. It's becoming uh, and as a derivative focus exchange, we should have different options for the clients to choose. Um, and, and and we we want to make it transparent so that especially on the pricing part it, it's very competitive to uh, any other uh, product that you know uh, the competitor offers. Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, that sounds good. So any other things that people should look forward to in terms of uh, other kind of products or features? Uh, we have we have a few another retail focused. Uh, uh, product, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the audience here will be interested. One of them is uh, um, what we call a strategy alert system on the mobile app, on the mobile app. So essentially, you can set a very complex alerting system uh, on your mobile app on Bybit. Uh, that, for example, one of the indicators or your your Fibonacci retracement at some point got the price hit that, and we will send you a, a push notification telling you, hey, the indicator you set on this specific time frame has been triggered, come check it out. So we, we want, because we observe a lot of our clients are moving into mobile, but we want to offer also offer them some complex and, and uh, you know, uh, some advanced sort of uh, trading techniques into mobile app. Uh, so that's one of the direction we're taking, but down the road, uh, we are going to launch, obviously, an uh, expir expiration contract uh, and uh, probably uh, uh, even a sort of an ETF, an ETF product we're looking like into. Yeah. So, yeah, because right now you're just running perpetual contracts that don't expire. So, um, the you know, when you look at the volume on other exchanges, the ones that offer uh, time-based fixed maturity traditional futures, the volume on perpetual is just way bigger uh, so i can see from a business perspective why it's just easier to ignore the expired uh, expiring contracts uh, but i think some uh, traders uh, like having the uh, option to to go long on the uh, fixed maturity contracts because they they don't have to pay an ongoing funding rate and uh, in an environment like now where the basis has been uh, in backwardization on uh, the futures curve. This offers some good opportunities. I mean, I personally like to build longs on the fixed contracts, which um, don't have any ongoing uh, uh, costs, and you can actually capture the discount. And then, when the market does get bullish, it ends up trading at a premium, so you get like a double whack uh, on the profits. Um, but yeah, I think that would be cool. And um, um, the uh, idea you mentioned about the uh, strategy alerts it would probably be interesting also to be able to trigger trades based on this so if some kind of set of uh, criteria is met then it opens a long where opens a short based on what the user specifies yeah actually that's the uh, final step of this uh, product we we ran now in the first step and then now we're developing this uh, strategy alert the number three would be along with that alert, you can actually enter a either market limit or conditional order uh, to react to that alert. Uh, so, so it's you can do everything on the go, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, it sounds like you got some good stuff in the pipeline, um, and obviously these new USDT contracts that are launching as well. Um, and maybe you can give us an idea of your outlook on the market in general. There's obviously been a lot of volatility, not just in crypto, but 
the legacy financial markets and central banks are printing uh, tons of money and engaging in a lot of uh, monetary policy expansion while uh, governments are starting to spend a ton of money as well to try to uh, support the market. How do you think uh, all of this environment is going to impact crypto and what's your medium long term outlook on Bitcoin and altcoins in general? Um, first, I'm not really a trader, so I don't have so much authority in, in talking about this kind of stuff. But um, I, I, I think with the outlook overall, I'm very bullish on crypto, <laughs> even more than before now, uh, especially with central bank printing so much money and everyone is a little bit unsure. Um, I, I think, uh, especially for Bitcoin or any crypto, this is the first major financial crisis we're experiencing. And if we sort of manage to get out of it, uh, I think it's a very positive outlook. Uh, that sort of, you know, uh, so even the whole team spirit is is, is high at Bybit. We are like, look, guys, uh, you know, it seems like crypto can really have a chance to take the center stage now. So it's uh, uh, let's focus on our product. Let's build more different products that uh, our client our clients request and uh, focus on what we do the best. Yeah. Definitely. I think that sentiment is broadly shared by uh, a lot of in the community. I mean, obviously, it's scary as hell when you see bitcoin dropping like 50 percent within a week but uh, with volatility comes opportunity and uh, for people that are keeping a long-term outlook and they're not too over leveraged in the market and stuff this is uh, important uh, one last thing that i forgot to mention because bitmex uh, regarding the insurance fund uh, piece and the volatility that was for a couple of weeks ago um, bitmex uh, got some criticism from the community because their insurance fund actually grew while there was all this chaos in the market and their price was dislocated and they had a, a huge catastrophe with the, the performance of their system during this critical time in the market your system performed a lot better there were minor relatively minor front-end lag issues for desktop users um, but I noticed also your insurance fund actually uh, it grew a bit at least uh, shortly after uh, can you explain um, you know how this works because when the market drops so much one would expect that it's more difficult to fill especially some of the larger positions and uh, and why there wasn't a bigger drawdown in your insurance fund to to maintain the balance in the market yeah um, so I guess that goes back to the whole logic where um, we're how does the internal price deviate from the market price? If it deviates in the, you know, in the in the wrong way, it, the insurance fund would get depleted. Um, is because uh, clients uh, liquidations are triggered, and when you throw that same liquidation order into the into the market, uh, it, it's a completely off price, and then uh, basically insurance fund have to cover the the winner's profit um, in, in in that sense. Uh, we, we did experience some uh, decrease uh, initially and then it sort of uh, uh, came back up. So that, that's basically what happened. Um, so I, I would say it's really due to how the market price and the internal price was moving at the time. And also uh, we were lucky that we had a few market makers that were still doing their due duties. So our, I mean... Uh, even the liquidation orders uh, was thrown into, into the order book, and it was it was it was getting executed. It, the the biggest worry I had at the time was about our market makers that they would you know just you know submit and uh, basically not providing their, doing their duties at the time. 
but they did get some hits um and uh, so but we, we were lucky at the time i think so uh, i believe that's exactly what happened okay and uh, do you provide a history of the mark price because this mark price is what triggers liquidations and it's very important uh, so in the name of the transparency insights that you've talked about do you actually provide a historical time series of the mark price so users can verify that it was legitimate if they got liquidated at a certain price yeah we we actually if you go to our uh home page on the very top there's bybit data and uh, if you go to any contract data there is a, a trading view chart uh, for the mark price as well as if you go to the trading area in, in bybit you always see two prices one is the historical mark price directly uh visible on chart uh, one is the actual price yeah so you, I'm looking at it now, and under indices, you have both the spot index, which isn't the same as the mark price, but then you have the premium index, and then the mark price is supposed to be a combination of these two. Is that correct? Correct. So if you go to the inverse contract trading area, uh, you will see a, a pink line, and that's exactly the, the, the his, history of the mark price. Um, so you're saying when you go to the contracts and then spot index, uh, is that the pink? I don't see a pink line. Um, go, uh, oh, okay, go yeah, to, I see it. Yeah. yeah, I got it now. Yeah, so you're, you're saying the chart at the top where it shows the contract specs, there it has uh, both a normal last traded price candles and then a pink uh, normal line which shows the market price. Okay, yeah, that's good because BitMEX doesn't provide this and a number of other firms also don't provide this but uh we, we actually know, find it trader. very helpful to to provide this because it's, it's so much easier to explain to clients what happened because still a lot of clients don't understand the uh mark price triggers liquidation and they will come to me and say hey how come your 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 you know your internal price never reached and i got liquidated uh, so we can say hey check the pro here the, this line here uh, this is our mark price you can see where it went and uh it's, it's, it's actually much easier and, and I don't understand why other exchanges don't offer it. <laughs> yeah, it, because this is probably a huge uh, area where the support gets uh, inundated with all kinds of stupid questions from traders that don't understand it. And it's much easier to point to the resource and tell them, you know, here's the mark price. Uh, this is why you got liquidated. That's that's how it is. You got fairly liquidated. And I think that's all traders really want is I don't think they mind getting wrecked. They just want to make sure that they got wrecked fairly. Uh, in the market if they do get wrecked. Uh, the worst feeling I think for a lot of especially retail traders that don't deeply understand the system uh, is that they're getting scammed by uh, fake price data or whatever. So um, I think that's a great, uh, great little feature there. Um, okay, I think we covered the, a lot of material here the past almost hour and a half. Uh, uh, so uh, I'll open it up to the listeners, if anything has been missed or you have any other questions for Ben, uh, now is a good time to either type it in the um, in the text box or we can also uh, open up the, uh, the chat microphone-wise uh, to ask him directly if you would like. Uh, we do have one question from Instabot is asking, are there any API differences in trading the inverse versus the linear uh, contracts? Uh, yes, uh, the linear will be a whole set of uh, API. Uh, we are we haven't released the doc yet. We're releasing it tomorrow, so 
by tomorrow, uh, uh, all the API traders can connect to our uh, linear contract, USDC settled, yeah. Okay, and then there was another guy asking a question about he's got a friend of a friend of a friend who hypothetically might uh, be, well, I'm not going to ask that question, but uh, that, so let's say that someone is, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> let's say that someone is um, using a VPN maybe, and there's some kind of closure of his account that's necessary. Um, would you uh, let them at least withdraw their funds before closing their account? Or would you, uh, do you have a process or a policy regarding this? We, yes, client's fund is always client's fund. Uh, so we have no power in touching that. Um, if, if the friends, friends, friends <laughs> happens to, uh, I don't know. We actually have a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of promotions and we have a lot of these bonus abusers coming in where they deposit 0.00001 or something BDC to, to abuse the system. And even that, we, we allow them to withdraw uh, uh, after we give them a warning and close their account so they can just withdraw and take their own capital back. Um, so, yeah, we, we will never touch clients' fund. Yeah, that's good because I know um, famously Poloniex, uh, when they implemented the KYC requirements, for example, they didn't let people withdraw. They forced them to provide the documents and then they could withdraw. And a couple of other firms also have done this. Uh, so I think traders appreciate, I mean, obviously there's some bad actors out there, people who are misbehaving in one way or another, uh, either by you know, showing the wrong uh, location that they are using or engage in another kind of activities um, and if they get caught then yeah they have to get their account closed but at least to let them just take their money and get away uh, so i think um, i think between the light touch approach on documents being uh, provided or anything like that uh, and the value of transparency and letting people uh, maintain control of their funds and stuff. This, these are uh, areas where I think a lot of traders are very grateful to have that uh, kind of um, an exchange that uh, is uh, agreeing with these principles because I think that's part of a lot of the culture within crypto and crypto trading. Yes, uh, totally, totally. I mean, this is also, I guess, the principle of any um, exchange, uh, even from back in, you know, legacy times that uh, clients money is clients money so it's uh, it's a matter of principle yeah and uh, okay let me try to open the talk power so people can uh, ask on the microphone okay the microphone's open to people that want to ask Ben, the CEO of the Bybit, any kind of direct question that wasn't addressed already in the past hour and a half or so, because um, we're wrapping this up. Uh, but I want to make sure that anyone who feels like they've got an issue they want to bring up has the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I would like the opportunity. Yeah. RJ speaking here. Ben, are you sure about what you just said based on AML KYC? Sorry, based on what? Based on AML KYC policies around the globe, are you sure what you just said in regards to the US? Yes, uh, we do not take US clients. Based on the question, okay, let me 
uh, clarify this based on the question that was asked before by Swapman. Thank you for the interview, first of all, Swapman. Swapman. Um, you said if there's a client who, you know, a friend of a friend that's from the US, you still let them withdraw if you have suspicion. If you have, sorry, can you repeat that again? I couldn't hear the last part. Maybe Swapman can rephrase it better than I can. I think he just did the, his connection is making it difficult, I think, to hear some of what you're saying. But if I understand your question correctly, you're asking him to verify that if a US person is busted in, in using the exchange, that they still have the opportunity to withdraw the funds and, and get away uh, before their account gets completely closed. Like Bybit won't seize the funds or anything like that. Is that am I is that the question that you're asking, Ajay? So again, so I, I'm just verifying if you're sure based on your AML and KYC policy that what you're saying is really the case because you know does that make sense, Ben, what he's asking or um yeah I can answer said uh, basically we do not allow any u.s clients if we do find any u.s clients happen to trade on bybit we'll inform you that your, your account is closed and you have to withdraw whatever uh, capital you deposited perfect i think that's pretty clear then uh, anyone else um, before we let ben go uh, um, has a question for ceo of bybit anyone who's using bybit or is curious to use it and thinks that we didn't hit on any important topic now is a good time uh, to to mention it okay someone in the text has said that when when do you plan to add these uh, fixed maturity contracts so the non-perpetual traditional futures when when is that due to be launched uh that would be q3 probably q3 we are really we already have the uh the specifics of the product been designed, but we haven't started coding yet. Um, so that would probably Q3. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the challenges when it comes to those types of contracts is that uh, when you're developing the mark price, you have to develop a, it in such a way where it's flexible enough to allow for a premium in the market versus a spot. And also for right now, for example, we have discounts on some of the expiries so uh, it's a bit more artistic to develop a fair mark price uh, in this context yes I, I agree yes so for that I, I think the team is looking into it very hard we, we also whenever we push out this these new products we want to um, make sure that um, it, it, it's it's uh, based on what our clients liking and uh, make sure the product is easy, easy to understand uh, easy to trade and make sure that the fundamentals are there and um, you know you, you can trade it very fast and no overload no these type of issues yeah yeah sounds good um okay last call for anybody that has oh yeah instabot that i actually had that written down but i forgot to ask um ben about sub accounts a lot of uh, exchanges they offer the ability for people to have sub accounts uh, where they can isolate positions and separate it uh, under the same account. Do you offer sub-accounts? Uh, we know that you offer these hedged positions, you call it, on the USDT contract, uh, where you can go long and short. Uh, but you also offer sub-accounts, or do you plan to offer any sub-account uh, functionality? Uh, yes. So, actually, we just had a product meeting um, last week. 
Okay, had to restart the server. There was some kind of snafu there. Uh, one second. Okay. Was really yeah, sorry about that, Ben. We had a uh, server issue. I just had to restart the server, but they were back online now. I just want to make sure that the recordings are back to recording so we can i mean we're basically done anyway but uh, just to to have a clean uh, finish uh, one second you just have an overload <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so popular your, your talk that uh, we get overloaded no i think it's just some random server issue just had to restart it and fixed up okay the stream is back online sorry about this minor disconnection there um I think you uh, left off uh, talking about sub-accounts and that you had a meeting with the product team about sub-accounts. So let's uh, resume from that point, if you will. Yeah, so we, we were very excited about this whole sub-account. Uh, we're actually going to build it into a very powerful tool, uh, not only for retailers, but also for uh, fund managers and for whoever need, having the need to multi-manage the account, especially in the in a sort of a company structure. Or, uh, le but let me tell you what, what's the plan. But this is just the complete, the complete. Uh, ideas and uh, blueprints. Uh, so step one, we're going to be offering the sub account, uh, simple sub accounts. Just you know, you any mother account can create sub accounts and do internal transfers and all that. Uh, step two, we will uh, start to uh, give the the sub accounts read-only password, what we call it, or investor password, and also trade-only password, so that if you are a company owner or you are a team leader, you can actually give that trade-only password or the read-only password to your clients or to, to your trader. Uh, and then uh, uh, you'll be able to uh, sort of, they will be able to monitor or, or manage only that account. Uh, step three will be even some sort of uh, management tool or management system that, um, uh, I can set on um, the sub accounts that I, I only wanted to be able to lose how much uh, capital or be able to trade in what posi uh, position size. Um, and, and even we, we even talked about um, even some sort of a multi terminal system where the mother accounts can be able to send out a trade and, and sub accounts can automatically follow based on the margin, the position size, or the ratio you're setting. So it's what we have in Forex. I'm trying to make it happen in here with crypto. Uh, I'm sure Swapman is quite familiar with what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a good structure for, for doing the sub-accounts. And I think this uh, social trading feature, which is popular in um, FX, CFD market, where you can, where you once you make a leaderboard public and people can elect to um, be followed in their positions, then users can basically, you can tie the
And we are back. <laughs> Sorry, this is fucking annoying. I don't know what the server is doing. Um, yeah, so let me, wait, let me check that the stream is back online. Uh, okay, um, sorry about that again. Uh, I was saying about the following traders on the platform uh, where you can basically, if I'm a trader that has good profits, then I can let traders follow my positions and then I can earn like a reward for those who are engaging in trading because of my performance and allowing people to copy my trades uh, i think this uh, this kind of incentive creates more of like a community within the platform and gives even more incentives for people to earn rewards um if that makes sense yeah no it makes total sense but we, we haven't decided how far we're going to go with this idea but uh definitely sub accounts will be available and uh Step, step stage one stage two will definitely be uh, implemented uh, in Bybit. yeah yeah i think uh, this um, you call it mother account others call it like master uh, master slave account where you have like a master account which has subordinate accounts this is a pretty classic uh, structure to do it in um someone else in the text mentioned uh, they would like the stop loss and take profit uh, within the order to appear in the order book uh, in, sorry in the order entry form rather than as a pop-up after you have made the order uh, i don't know that's just a random feature request from somebody that's already implemented in the linear usdt perpetual so if you check that it's already there uh it's no longer on the order confirmation and we plan to implement that also into our inverse yeah cool um Okay, I think we are basically finished. If anyone has any pressing uh, comments before uh, we wrap it up, Ben's uh, been kind enough to spend almost two hours uh, with the Whalepool community. We really appreciate um, all the time that you've spent uh, addressing the questions directly. Um, you know, none of this has been censored. Ben has been open and willing to answer basically anything. Um, and we really appreciate that openness and transparency. Not all exchanges uh, are that open. So thanks very much, Ben, for your time and your transparency with the community with all this. Thank you, everyone. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure here speaking to you all. Yeah. Great. So then we'll get this. Uh, rec it's rec been recording, so we'll get it on YouTube. And as I understand it, uh, there'll be also some graphics included in this, which help to explain and understand the Bybit product for those who are interested. And we'll get that posted on YouTube and Twitter and everything like that.